surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Ah, yes, Cameraman Central, official audio podcast, episode number two. Dose. Jared Fink on the theme. I am Steve Witchell. I'm your host, coming to you from New Orleans, Louisiana. And with me is my co-host from New Jersey, Mr. Tony Binert. What's up, Tony? What's up? Was that like a Darth Vader thing? No, I thought there was going to be like applause, but the, oh, okay. the sound effect didn't work. There you go. Thank you, thank you. Very See, good. man, I need an engineer. I, if I was, I'm my own engineer here, and then I forget to turn the volume up, and y- 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 <laughs> just stick to playing music, man. Yeah, that's my best uh, thing that I do. So what's up, brother? How was your weekend? How was your gigs? I uh, was good, man. I. I uh, I played the crazy corner. I played the crazy corner every weekend, Friday and Saturday on Bourbon Street. Saturday was uh, my drummer's birthday, Jason Harvey, who you know. Yeah, happy birthday, Jason. Yeah, it was actually his birthday on Saturday. And uh, I'm not going to say how old he is. He's younger than me. Lucky dog. Um, But uh, I bought him a gift. I bought him a bottle of Crown Royal, which is his drink of choice. And he uh, sipped it all night. (laughs) <laughs> I was gonna say that he proceeded to chug it immediately before the gig in its no, entirety. No, see, normally he would be drinking shots of Crown anyway, so I figured that's an appropriate birthday present. And we noticed a difference right away too, because I I took a little swig of it, and we noticed that it's a lot stronger than the one you get from behind the bar, which really <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, confirms <laughs> that uh, that the bars probably water down their alcohol. Allegedly. It, it, well, it's alleged, but if you put the two side by side, it, you it really you can notice a difference. But uh, Jason, uh, yeah, he he uh, enjoyed his gift, and uh, we had a good night. Friday night, Jason was not there. We had a sub drummer on Friday, and sub for those of you who uh, don't know, sub is short for substitute, and and it's like being a fill in. Uh, musician in a band, the sub sub is kind of the industry term, and uh, this guy, I worked with him before, once or twice in, uh, in a different incarnation of this band at uh, at the same club a year or so ago, maybe a year and a half ago, and he's really good, really you know got really good chops, um, very hard hitter. He, he liked to hit his drums, and I was so glad that I had in ears that night because I stand right next to the drums and so the the in-ears actually protect my hearing from the cymbals and whatnot. Um and he did yeah, a really cymbals good are cymbals are the killer for sure because even if the kit's not mic'd, you know, you can pound on it and get some some volume out of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know how you guys do it. 
like deal with the 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 damage to your ears from from cymbals. I have in ears, and you know I got some pretty thin cymbals, and I don't crush them. You know I don't I don't play at a killing volume all night. You know the band's very dynamic. At least you know the setting that we play in normally. It's anywhere from super quiet to, you know, full-blown, but it's not full-blown all the time, all night. Um, but, yeah, definitely plenty of bandmates in the past have had developed tinnitus from uh, many a garage and basement jam at, at, you know, deafening volume. Yeah, I think I have permanent tinnitus, man. And I don't really notice it unless it's super quiet. Then I hear that, you know, the high pitch in, in my ears. Yeah. But, uh, you know... I can live with it. That's <laughs> something like that. That's it. Yeah, I can live with it. You know, I like my music loud, and uh, you know, I'm fine with that. A little bit of tinnitus isn't gonna kill me, but not to say, kids out there, that you shouldn't protect your hearing because you absolutely should wear wear earplugs and protect your hearing as much as possible. Absolutely, because once your hearing is diminished, it never comes back. Right. Um. So, yeah, he did a good job. Um, a lot of the songs that we play in that band are really kind of standard cover band classic rock songs that you could probably even guess um, what they are. And the reason is that we're, we're playing in a tourist town. The, the, the people that come in the club are people from all over the world. And we're really appealing to the lowest common denominator. Um, most people there aren't aren't musicians. They they're just there to party and have fun with their friends, drink, dance, whatever. They want to hear songs they know. So we play songs that everybody knows. Um, so this guy, I mean, I hate to throw people under the bus, man. And I hope he doesn't listen because he's a really nice guy and he's a really good drummer. Um, but there were some songs that were so, that are songs that everybody knows or everybody should know, um, especially if you're a musician in a band and. You know, he just wasn't playing some of the signature parts of the songs right. And I can't really exactly remember which songs or which parts, um, but it doesn't really matter. It's just, um, it, this happens a lot, because I work with subs a lot, where people come into the um, into the gig and we never rehearsed, we never played together, and they're just coming in. And you should... It's hey, kind of like the first time I met you, you were right. subbing. right. And it just it baffles me how people come in to sub for a gig and don't know these standard songs or the arrangements of them or the signature parts of them songs that are thirty years old and forty years old. It 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 drives me crazy. Do you have any anything? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. You know, I mean, there's a couple of things there, right? So gets back to what we talked about with the professionalism, right? About being prepared and being on time, being professional. But you know what also I think it stems from is that when there are songs that everybody knows and everybody's heard them and everybody has played them, whether it's 100% correct or not, you know, I think there's a tendency to be like, oh, yeah, man, I know that song. Because you know the hook and you kind of know the groove, you know what I mean? But do you know it or do you really know it, you know? And right. I think that a lot of times guys, when they're going to sub... They they go through their mental list and they're like, oh yeah, you know, you know, I I know that tune or I've heard that tune, you know. But if you really listen to the song, you know, like you said, there's going to be signature parts in there, little nuances. I mean, listen, from a drummer's perspective, 
you know, even though we don't play a corded instrument, right? So you wouldn't know if we're playing out of key or playing the right notes. And everyone always, you know, jokes and laughs and says, oh, you know, drummer's not a real, real instrument, you know? Yeah, if the drummer, you know, he's the, he's the guy that has to lead the rest of the band on the journey, right? right? And so he's got to know the song, and you got to know it, know it. Like how many bars it is till the change. You know, you can't just think you're going to feel it. You think that kind of fill starts on the end of something, but you're not sure. No, you know, break it down and figure it out because there are signature licks, you know, that you have to learn. Like if you're going to play um, Only the Good Die Young by Billy Joel, you got to learn the Liberty DeVito lick in the beginning. It's not what everybody thinks it is. You know, if you really analyze it and pull it apart, it's a little bit of a tricky lick there, you know? Mm-hmm. And you got to feel it, and you got to play it right, and you got to play it in time, and you got to count the band in so you're not stumbling into the song. So things like that make a big difference, you know. And like I said, from a you know bass player or guitar player's perspective too, if the guy's not playing the lead exactly like the lead is supposed to be played, you know, the signature licks, you know, people are going to notice. And you can fake your way through some things, you know, but truly, if you're going to sub, you want to learn the song. You know, the way that it, not only the way it was recorded by the original artist, but also how the band that you're going to be playing with does the arrangement. You know, how do they start it? How do they end it? Right. It's always, you know, a, a big thing if you don't have an opportunity to rehearse with a band. You can certainly, you know, beforehand make a little cheat sheet and pull somebody aside and say, hey, how do you end this song? How do you, how do you bring this tune in? Who starts this? You know, I know I'll start it, so I'll count it off. Do you guys play it up tempo? Do you play it back in the pocket a little bit? You know, it's good to have some dialogue before. Uh, if you don't get a chance to rehearse. And I mean, listen, you know, we don't have the op- luxury a lot of times to get in a rehearsal. But if you do have one rehearsal before the gig, that can, you know, that can be unbelievably golden. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I've played so many gigs, dude, where I didn't rehearse with the band and I didn't even know anybody in the band. Like you said, with the, the first time I played with you guys. And I did it a lot in Jersey. Um and then I've done it here, too, uh, but more so in Jersey, uh, because here I kind of know a lot of people, even if I haven't played with them, I still kind of know them. But um, getting back to the, the whole drummer thing, especially for me as a bass player, certain kick patterns are important because it's going to go along with my bass line. And, you know, I'll, I'll be playing the song, and I'll be playing it right, and the drummer's playing it wrong, playing the wrong kick pattern, and I'll still play it right, hoping that he'll hear me what I'm doing and say, oh, yeah, that's the kick pattern I'm supposed to be playing. Uh, but that rarely happens. It rarely happens where I, you know, I can actually uh, manipulate the drummer to do what I want him to do through some sort of uh, mental telepathy. Well, hey, remember, you know, as a, I had a drum teacher when I was younger, Sonny Igo, a great, great uh, big band legend. And uh, a couple of things he said to me that really always stuck with me, you know, at a young age was, um, you know, the drummer is the timekeeper. He establishes the tempo, right? If you slow down, the whole band's going to slow down. If you speed up, the whole band's going to speed up. The guitar player may want to slow down. And if he starts playing slower, he's going to sound like he's playing out of time because he cannot influence the drummer the way the drummer can influence the entire band. Right. I think the bass player can influence the drummer, though. I've, he I've, can, I've you know, to it. some extent, but if, even if you start playing fast and, and the drummer doesn't want to, eventually you're going to have to yield to the time, you know? Yeah. 
Whereas the drummer starts playing faster, the band has to come with him. Otherwise, it's going right. to sound kooky, you know? Right. Second thing he said is, you know, you can have a good band with a not-so-good drummer, and they will sound okay. You can have a good band with a great drummer, and they will sound fantastic. Right. Same way you can have a fantastic band with a not-so-good drummer, and they're not going to sound that great. I'm not saying that the drummer is the most important guy in the band, but the drummer and the bass player, you know, they're driving it. So the energy and the personality that's coming out of that duo is going to drive the band for the evening, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, I try to experiment with it a little bit because I, I kind of joke about that sometimes about the, how the bass player can steer the drummer. And uh, we we play Billy Jean every week by uh, Michael Jackson, and um, Jason tends to play it a little fast. And I actually went and I, I have this BPM detector on my phone. And a, a couple of weeks ago when we were playing it, I opened it up to see what, what uh, tempo he was playing it at. And he was playing it like 138, something like that. And then I wouldn't listen to the original, and it's 131. So I was like, okay, this confirms my, my idea that it, was play, be, that it was too fast. So I did a little experiment the other night when we were playing on Saturday night. He started again, and he was a little too fast. And I just was like, i got to slow this down. I'm going to do it. So I closed my eyes and I just started playing like way behind the beat, you know, and I'm playing this, this repetitive bass line, do, 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 do. you know, it's, it's just the same thing over and over again. So oh, I yeah. started kind of like in my mind, just going down a click and then going down one more click. And even two BPM is it, a noticeable difference in tempo, even though it's not a lot of BPM, but it's a noticeable feel. And I I did it. I just clicked down one to slow him down one more, and then clicked down one more just to slow him down one more, and and it worked. He followed me, so I was like, ah, this is true. The bass that's because the crown royal was kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting maybe, a little sleepy. Maybe, maybe I don't have as much power as I thought I did. But you know, two hand signals. Someone's like when you do have a sub in the band, you know, with and the rest of the band is, is the usual players. Someone's got to be the maestro, you know, to to give the hand signals and, you know, the the the, the pick it up or slow it down a little bit or, you know, there's a stop coming here. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, like you said, if the guy's prepared and knows the set list ahead of time, that's great. But there may be requests or people calling out stuff in the, you know, in the middle of the gig and there's going to be some deviation from the list of, you know, the songs that he's prepared to play or, or she's prepared to play. Right. Yeah, I've so, got good at that, the, the nonverbal communication um, we yeah. use it a lot here in New Orleans. We use it a lot. And I've gotten good at it with drummers where I can just really kind of do a nod and they'll understand what I'm saying or just even turn towards the drummer and they'll know, okay, this is the end of the song. Um, um, I, I have a really good way of communicating. We use a lot of hand signals in um, New Orleans here for songs, for actual song, specific songs. We have certain hand signals for specific songs. And being this is audio... I can't really show you. <laughs> I was thinking of doing a video of showing these different hand signals because they're unique signals because we play these same songs over and over again. So we, we've chosen certain hand signals for certain songs that we all kind of understand. Um, it's, pretty, uh, it's a pretty unique way of conversing. Uh, so let me ask you this, Steve, because you play with a lot of subs. You know, you play with a lot of people yeah. in general. What are your top three pet peeves? about having a substitute having a sub yeah like the things that they should or must be doing 
versus the things that they're probably doing. Uh, boy, I yeah, know the songs, know the set list, and know the main songs that you need to know that are popular. Um, I guess that's all part of one. Show up on time would be a good one because I've had subs show up late, and that's annoying. Like, come on, man, we're giving you work here. Well, not only that, like you said, if they're early, they can they can, you know, converse with the rest of the band and discuss endings and talk about tempos and, you know, go through some things. Right. Um, As opposed to, like you said, being late and having to rush up there and jump on. But you know, some guys are just better subs than others, and some guys that sub often, you know, have, uh, you know, like we we play with a bunch of different sax players and. A lot of guys will show up with a book with charts, you know, and with hundreds of tunes in it. And some of the tunes they know, you know, by heart, and they, they, they can blow sacks on them all night. And other ones they say, well, I don't know it, but I have a chart for it, you know. Yeah. And nowadays they can even bring it up on an iPad during a break, you know, and, and find yeah. uh, a chart or something that they can utilize to uh, get them through the tune. Yeah. Yeah. So know the song, show up on time, and keep it simple. You know, try to stay to the basic parts of the song. And as a bass player, that's pretty easy for me. You know, I, I can play the root chords of the song and be fine, and the song will sound fine. Um, if I'm very confident with the song, I can explore different. I can improvise a little bit. Um, but, yeah, if you if I'm a sub, if I'm going into sub with a band, I'm just going to play the song. I'm going to play the simplest parts and play the song and make sure that I'm not rocking the boat. I, I want to make sure that everybody else in the band is able to do their job just as well as they could if their regular bass player was there. That's really my mentality with that. And when I sub, dude, I prepare. If I have the opportunity to get the set list and um, I'm able to learn songs, I'll learn songs. And most subs won't even learn, won't do that. And it's it, it's weird to me, too, because it's a normal thing for me. I tend to over-prepare, too, so I don't know if maybe I'm just an anomaly, but... Um, I want to make sure I go in and nail it and make sure that the band's happy with me and that they can do their gig just as well as they could normally. So um, so that's a, that's a main area of focus for me. And it's got me a lot of work, dude. It's really, you know, I got the gig with you guys because I subbed and did well, and that's happened to me over and over and over again where I've subbed with the Well, band. that was also because you bought a bottle of Crown Royal with you that wasn't watered <laughs> down as a... You know, kind of a thank you for letting us you know, play with us. So, <laughs> but no, you know, and to your point too, like playing with confidence. Like I remember Dennis Chambers saying, "If you don't know the drum part or where the bass drum should be, listen to what the bass player is doing." You know, right? And, and you can you can follow that, but play with confidence. You know, because the audience isn't going to know that you don't know the song. You know, provided that you're playing it somewhat correctly and you're playing it with confidence. You know, and again, if you're the drummer sounds uncertain, or he's kind of hesitant, and he's kind of wishy-washy. The whole band's going to sound that way, you know? Uh, yeah, when the drummer's cool. laying it down, and he's solid, and he's pushing the band forward, it, it's going to make a big difference. So yeah. being prepared is, is definitely key. And if you don't know the song, uh, and you can fake your way through it, you know, fake it through as if as if you knew it, and if you played it a hundred times. Yep. The drummer is the driver, buddy. drummer's driving that band, and I love a good driver. It makes me feel comfortable. That's why they call it the throne. Right. That's why drum drum throne, not a drum seat. Not a stool, not a chair. It's right. a throne. So there's a story I want to tell. I was thinking about telling and this. Not yeah. to cut you off, it's because it's usually thrown in the back of a vehicle. You know what I'm saying? 
That's a live sound effect from Tony Blaine. Oh yeah, that's good. Um, so I, you know, I want to tell that I don't even know if I've told you this story, uh, but I do want to tell this story because it really. I love stories. Do you? It's story time. I do. It's story time. Story time. I have, wait, I got this. Story time. It's, it's story time. Um. Yeah, so like I said, I, I did a lot of subbing in Jersey when I, I was playing in bands there. And I ended up getting this opportunity to come to New Orleans. And there wasn't really a gig lined up for me. There was a guy I knew that I had met several years prior. Um, and it was because I, I met him through knowing another guy when I played in a band in Minnesota in 2004. I went to... Two, to Minnesota and played in a band for a few months out there. And then um, that one of those guys ended up moving to New Orleans and he told me and he got himself a gig and then he told this other guitar player about me because they were looking for a bass player in New Orleans. So this guy contacted me and asked me to move here and I was like, "Ah, I can't, you know, I have a job, I have a gig, I have a girlfriend. I just had a lot going on, I can't do it. And then I ended up visiting... New Orleans shortly after there and met him in person and uh, I didn't get up to jam. I wanted to get up and jam. I wasn't allowed to um, for some stupid reason. But um, And then we stayed in touch. You know, he would call me every once in a while like every year or every couple of years saying, hey, you want to come down? And then and I would always say no. And then 2010 he called me again and said, there might be this club opening and I want to put together a new band and I want you to be the bass player. And I said, uh, again, I gave the same answer. I was like, nah, I can't. I have a job, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, later that day or a day later after that, I was like, why do I keep turning this down? Because um, I did have a job, but I didn't like the job. I was playing in two bands, but they were just bar bands that weren't really making me much money and doing much for me. Um, didn't have a girlfriend. And I was like, maybe I should really take this seriously. Maybe I should consider this. So I stayed in touch with him for a couple weeks to find out what the story was about this new club. And it was always like, I don't know. I haven't heard anything yet. I'm not sure. And then I just snapped. I made this decision. I'm just going to move to New Orleans and I'm going to see what happens. I don't know really anybody. There's no guaranteed job, but I'm just going to try this. And you know this because we I threw a party at my house. You were there. Oh, yeah. I remember. I said, I'm leaving New Jersey for good. I'm going to go to New Orleans and play. And I said, I'm going to be playing all this stuff. And, but I, the truth was I didn't have any gig lined up at that time. Um, but I just felt confident in it. So I packed up all my stuff, drove down, drove to Mobile first where my mom was, dropped off my stuff there, and then went into New Orleans with my brother just to go say hi to this guy. His name is Tim, by the way. Um, so just what's, his, what's his name? Tim. Tim. Um, Tim Perry, actually. So to just say hi, tell him I'm here, and you know I'm ready to work. You know, whenever this club opens or whatever, but just to just to be there. So I go in with my brother, and we go have lunch, and then uh, I told him I was in town. And then eight o'clock, around eight o'clock p.m., he calls me and he goes, uh, "You, where are you?" I said, "Uh, oh, you know, we're just walking around the, the French Quarter." And he goes, "Can you come play tonight?" I'm like, "Yeah." He goes, "My my." Singer, 
My singer got in a car accident. Not a bad car accident, but a car accident. Can't make it to work. My bass player is going to sing, can you come play bass tonight? And this is my first night in New Orleans. And I'm like, yeah. And I didn't know. Steve Witchell, come on down. You're the next contestant on Come Play in the Band. And I didn't know a set list. I didn't know anybody in the band. I barely knew this guy. And I'm just like, but I was thrilled about it. I'm just like, I'm in New Orleans. It's great, fantastic music city. And I can go play bass tonight. I was psyched. So I like ran, literally ran to the club because it was late and they, they needed to start. And got there and I and I played the gig and I played the whole night and ended up getting a job as a result of that night because I went in and I knew the songs. I knew the basic rock and roll, classic rock songs that most bands play. And that's what they were playing. And every time they said, hey, do you know this? I was like, yeah. Do you know this? Yeah. And, it, you know, with less than an hour into it, they stopped asking me if I knew it. They were just like, start the song. <laughs> so... I ended up getting, and so that was kind of really a sub gig for me because I'm just, you know, subbing for this situation that's happening um, in, in this town that I, I barely know, you know, I don't know anybody, I don't really know my way around or whatever, and then I ended up getting a job as a result of that, and then that led to other jobs and stuff. But um, I don't know, I think that's pretty. Yeah, cool. but you, you know, you were committed to going down, right? Because I remember when you were going, you said, "I'm making the, I'm making the commitment. I want to play music full time. I'm moving down there." I, you know, I'm packing up and I'm going, and I don't have a gig, but you know, I know this is what I'm meant to do, and I'm going. And sure enough, like you said, you called it to you. You know, when you got there, uh, everything you know came together as as you expected it to. Yes, yes, and you know, because I was so excited about it and, and felt good about it, that's really why it's uh, it manifested. Yeah, you were committed to it. You were passionate about it. You were excited about it. You know, and like you said, even when you got there, you didn't have any gig, but you were you were just pumped to be there. You know, yeah. you, you you made you made the decision to do it, and you're doing it. Yes. So the lesson here, I think, is if you're gonna sub and you're gonna play with other bands of people you don't know, do as much preparation as you can in advance, and go in there as if you're already the the person that plays in that band and act like it and and you know uh yeah be committed to it right like you said like own it own it own it that's the way to put it is just own it own the songs own your responsibility in the band own your part and you will see things happen you will get work out of it you will you will meet new musicians you will get respect from these people and they will talk about you to other people and tell them how great you are because you did such a good job and don't you never want to really rest on your laurels either you always want to in any new situation be as prepared as possible because you know i'll go back and listen to songs that i think i know and relearn it and listen and and it happens more often than not where i'll hear something that i didn't hear before and and it might be just something very subtle that nobody else would notice but i notice and like and it just improves my whole situation hey and you know another thing to remember is when you're a sub for for that matter too leave the ego at home you know no one wants to have someone in the band with an ego right you could be great but the the, the greatest players are usually the most humble guys you know because they they don't have an ego and they understand how it works you know And, and you may have killed at this gig 
and you'll get more work from it. But you got to be a cool guy to want to hang out with. You know, I remember a story about Scott Crago when he was trying out for the Eagles years ago, and uh, you know Don Henley was was telling the story, and he said that they sat around and. Uh, you know, they got together and they, they went through a bunch of songs in, in a big circle. They kind of did acoustic sing-along stuff and worked on some tempos and went through. And Scott Crago sat there for a week and didn't play not one drum the whole time. And at the end of the week, he said, uh, you know, when are we going to play? And he said, oh, you know, we know you can play. We wanted to hang out with you for a week because we're going to be on tour for the next year and a half. And, you know, got to make sure we like you. Yeah. So it goes a long way, you know, to be... To, to be likable and have a positive attitude and, and to be, you know, a, 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 to add value to the team, so to speak, rather than be a guy who, you know, has to be handled with kid gloves all the time because, you know, prima donna or you got a big ego, you know. And like I said, you could, there's even guys who aren't that great um, of a musician, you know, they're not a good player and they still have an ego, you know, and they have an attitude about them. And that, that's not going to take you far in this business, that's for sure. That is for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I know some cats like that. I know some cats, but most people that I encounter are nice people. You know, whether they're really good or not really good, they're still they're still humble. I know some people that are have a little bit more of an ego that uh that that are good at what they do, but they think they're all that. But not too many people. At least here anyway. New Orleans is is a different thing. It's a different scene than anywhere else. There's this like there's this mutual respect and camaraderie amongst musicians, even though we're playing in different clubs and competing for audience. We're really not competing with each other. We kind of all view it as we're all in this together. And that's a really nice thing, man, to experience because it's, it's different than what I really felt in the, the whole Jersey music scene. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I think, you know, the Jersey music sh- scene at least, you know, has always been a, a rivalry to some degree, you know, to some extent. You have, you make a lot of friends and bands, you know, but I think a lot of cover band musicians are really caught up in the look how good I am, you know, look at my band, and my band's better than your band, and, you know, you just get into this, you know, I, play, I gig more than your band gigs. Um, Is that really still going on, that kind of attitude? I mean, not so much anymore, but I mean, growing up, you know, coming up through the ranks, you know, we played, you know, three or four nights a week for five or six years straight. You know, there was a great original scene for a while back in the late 80s and early 90s. It was almost all original bands. Then it slowly started to turn into more of a cover scene. But there was a good run there where it was all original music. And, uh, you know, it was always how many people are you bringing? How many tickets can you sell? And what what kind of draw are you going to bring, you know? But there's, there's a camaraderie, you know, amongst musicians. But I think that, you know, not a lot of guys in Jersey do it full-time. You know, like down in New Orleans, there's there's a lot of full-time musicians. You know, there's a lot of, there's a market to play a lot of different venues every night. And you don't have that up here in Jersey, you know? You don't have that really anywhere else in the world um, like it is here. Yeah, it's a very unique place. It's special. You know, and you got a great community of musicians there. I mean, we got great community musicians up here too, but again, it's it's very diverse. You know, and uh, there's, there's plenty of cover bands out there playing. But you know, there's a lot of wedding bands out there playing too. You know, guys look to make more money up here too because they're doing it part time, so it's a supplemental thing. It's not their sole source of income. And the guys that are playing full time, 
you know, the, up here in the tri-state area, especially between New York and New Jersey, you know, very few of them are playing cover bands. A lot of guys are doing original stuff or they're, they're in the city playing on Broadway or, you know, some kind of other professional gig. Right. Well, there's not a lot of venues to really play covers anymore, is, are there, in, in Jersey? There is, but, you know, the places don't want to pay the money. So if you have a five- or six-piece band, you know, you're better off trying to play a private party or an event of some sort where you're going to make money because uh, the bar is only going to pay you, you know, five, six, seven hundred dollars for a night. Uh, and even if with an agency and you get upward of a thousand or two thousand dollars, you're still paying to cut of that back to the house. And like you said, there's not a lot of places uh, that can support that. A lot of duos, a lot of one, you know, one man bands, so to speak, you know, single acoustical happy hour type things where, you know, a single guy can make 200 bucks, play for a couple hours or a duo can make. 350 or $400 for a couple of hours. It's a lot, you know, a lot more appealing than trying to split six or $700 between five people. Right. Especially it's, for a full night of music, you know? It's crazy how that hasn't changed the amount of money. Because I was making that money, you know, you know, 15, 20 years ago. That same amount of money. Yeah, it seems to be the standard. And like I said, if you're a quality cover band, right, and you and you really have a good repertoire and you got good players in the band and you market yourself, you know, correctly, there's a, there's a big audience out there for private parties, you know, whether it be someone's birthday party, you know, a 40th birthday, a 30th birthday, graduation party, college graduation party, someone just having a, you know, summer party for that matter. Uh, you know, you can find them outdoor festivals, you know, in the springtime, all these towns have these music festivals that are outside, you know, uh, South Orange has a great one with the, the performing arts center down there with the pack, you know, and they, uh, you know, you can market yourself that way. And you can, you can play a private party in someone's backyard. You know, you got to bring your own gear, of course, right with the PA and all that, but you know, you can charge $2,500 for five piece band if you're established and you have a good repertoire and a good repertoire. What I mean by that is songs that everybody wants to hear, you know, they want to dance, they want to have a good time and they want to listen to songs that they know. Right. That's a good segue to get into this. Do we want? I, I, you know, I would like to mention this article and, and get into it a little bit, and we can just kind of cherry pick some of these uh, points and some of these songs, and we don't have to go through the whole thing. But this is another thing that I wrote before even Cover Band Central was a thing, and I originally made this list just because I had time on my hands, and I wanted to have a list for myself of these songs that. I felt are just so common in the club, bar, whatever, live music scene that have been played, you know, so much and with success. And I just, I don't even know why. I just was compelled to, I want to write this list. I want to have this list for myself. So I started, I took set lists from, you know, I, I saved set lists and I have them on my computer. I have them printed from all the bands I've, played with so I have all these different set lists so I took all these set lists together and I put them in you know I, I listed all the, the songs in one place and then found the common ones that I was playing with all the different bands and then made a top 50 list of these songs that work and the intention was first to have it for me and then when I actually wrote it and published it the intention was to tell people Look, here are the songs that get requested all the time. They work all the time. If you play any of these songs, 
at your gig, it's they're going to work. Um, people are going to know them. People are going to like them. They're going to dance, and they're going to think your band is cool. Um, so that was my intention to for really younger musicians, especially, to just say, hey, here you go. Here are these songs that you you need to learn these songs. You don't necessarily need to play them, but you need to know them. These are songs you need to learn. So this article ended up, it, it's gotten, you know, I published it in 2013, so about four years ago. Um, it's gotten 600,000, over 600,000 hits on it. And it gets hundreds of hits a day, like between like five and 800 hits a day organically through Google. And I didn't know that I was going to do this when I published it, but it, it worked out where the SEO, which is search engine optimization, that worked out really well where keywords, a lot of keywords that people were searching, they ended up getting this article. So there's like a combination of over 700 different keywords where this article comes up on Google at the number one spot or at least on the first page. So it gets a lot of hits. Um, but I've taken a lot of flack for this list too because there are songs on here that are so overplayed and you've played them so many times, you're sick of them. So there's a lot of musicians out there that are cover band musicians that are like, this is terrible. This list is, uh, these are the overplayed songs. This is why the club scene is, is hurting and blah, blah, blah. And they complain about it because they don't want to play, they want to play something more unique or different. And I get it, but that wasn't my intention. My one intention for this list wasn't to say, here's your set list. Here are the songs that you should play. It was, here are the songs that you need to know. You need to know these songs because if somebody requests Sweet Home Alabama, and your man knows it and you don't know it, you know, you're going to look stupid. Because <laughs> who doesn't know Sweet Home Alabama? You know, well, not only that, but like you said, out of the 50 songs on that list, there's, you know, a dozen that are just, you know, must must know. Like you said, Sweet Home Alabama, uh, Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Sure, it's overplayed, but it's not played correctly all that often, right? Nine times out of ten, the drummer is not playing the part that Steve Smith played because they yeah, haven't taken the time to sit down and figure it out I just and really sure. lock it in. And it's tough, you know. You got to play it open hi hat. You got to play the hi hat with your left hand and play your right hand around the toms. And you got the, the bell, the cymbal accents in there, and yeah, it changes throughout the song, you know. So you got again pay attention and and learn the part. And if you learn it correctly, you see a band play it. Uh, the first thing you notice is the drummer's not playing the right groove. Yeah, there's a video on YouTube of Steve Smith from years and years ago explaining how he came up with that drum part in Don't Stop Believing and demonstrating it. And it's a really good video. It's only like five minutes long, but he demonstrates how it transitions from one part to another part. It's super cool. And I shared it on Cover Band Central because I was like, everybody, every drummer's got to see this. Because I don't think there's one drummer that I play with that plays it right. Because well, there's I'm, one. <laughs> you. That you may have played with. Right. And it's not and, me. Just and saying. it's funny because I would have never noticed that because it's still, whatever drummer I'm playing with, it sounds fine, they're in time, whatever, and they're still playing some thing that's similar to that. But then I watched Steve Smith do it, and I'm like, oh, that's how it goes. And then after that, I was watching my other drummers play it, and I'm like, uh-uh-uh, that's not how it goes. But, I, I mean, that's how I'm thinking, but I didn't say anything. But, but you know, getting back to what you said earlier about, you know, think about this. When we played in cover bands, you know, 20 years ago, right, there was no YouTube. There was no Google, no. you know. You had to listen to the record 
like cassette. and you had to talk or cassette right and and talk amongst your peers with other players and say hey man what do you think this is how are you playing that you know there was no tablature to download online there was no youtube guy guru showing you the part now there's no excuse for you to not know the parts exactly like they should be because the resources are a click away it doesn't get any easier than that yeah dude man people are spoiled now they don't know the younger generation now is spoiled now because they don't know that they don't know that they had to go through all that stuff and listen to listen to a song cassette rewind stop rewind play stop rewind play. right yeah, and that, like I said, what a great resource. You know, you can go online now on YouTube and you can have a guy dissect it, break it down, play it slow motion, you know, count it out for you. Sometimes the tab is even on the screen. It's it's, it's unbelievable. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a great resource. There's an app called the Amazing Slow Downer, and you can, you can download a song into it and then slow it down where it doesn't, it doesn't change the key of the song. So you can actually... If you're trying to learn a guitar solo that has like a zillion notes, you can just slow it down as slow as you want, and it will still be in tune. Um, which is like, what? That the amazing slow down. Amazing slow down. So yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no excuse. I, I mean, there's so much we could talk about with technology, how it's really improved everything as far as being a musician, especially, you know, talking about cover bands, uh, like marketing and learning songs, like you said, and just everything. It's it's gotten so much easier and cheaper, dude. It's free. It's it's you know it's free. Just go. But again, you know, you're saying back to your list. You know, there's yeah. out of the fifty songs, there's definitely essentials on there that can be sprinkled amongst your you know current set list. Sure, sure. Um, you know, to to definitely have a couple of staples in there. You know, and some newer stuff too. Because let's face it, you know, there's a lot of new songs. But you know, quite frankly, when you listen back over the decades of music. You know, there's, as of late, you know, there's a lot of garbage on the radio, you know, as far as cover bands being able to reproduce it. You know, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of 80s and 90s and, and even 2000s where they're just timeless songs that everybody knows. Right. What are some newer songs that you've been playing in your band? Newer songs, anything Bruno Mars, um, right. Pink, um you know, Cake by the Ocean. Yeah, I play that. Uh, Shut Up and Dance with Me. You know, again, anything that's, you know, a top 20 radio hit. You right. know, we usually try to structure our sets 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s through today. Anything that was a top 20 hit is going to be on the list. And people are going to want to hear it and they're going to love it. That's the thing. Yeah, you got to play hits. Because they identify with that. You know, they, they, they remember it. And, you know, even an obscure hit. You know, uh, you know, you play Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody, and you nail it, and the band's on. You know, that, that people will be up dancing, not even you know four measures in. Oh yeah, people are up. That was a mega hit for Whitney Houston. That song. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and and there's a lot of bands out there that want to be off the beaten path. They want to they want to steer away from any of these songs, and that's cool. I think that's cool if you can pull it off. And you have an audience for it, and you have gigs where the club will be happy to have you back, then go for it, man. There's a, a band here in New Orleans called Contraflow, and um, I know Derek, the singer, he's an amazing singer. He's really, really good. Um, and they do, they're like a hard rock metal band, 
and but they play so ex- obscure songs they, that that weren't like the hit single. So they were playing. Uh, I saw a video clip of them playing "Smoking" by Boston from the first Boston album. Which yeah, was, great tune. Yeah, it's a great tune. It wasn't the hit single. It was kind of a an album radio cut that was played, um, so people know it. But it wasn't the big hit single. It wasn't one. Wasn't yeah, but one. that whole album, that whole Boston album, was they were all hits practically. You know, yeah, exactly. I mean, that was one of the best selling albums of the seventies and probably forever. It's probably in the top one hundred of. of the best-selling albums, um, and they, they, you know, they ripped, they killed it. They played it great. Um, so if you have a band like that where you can play songs like that and pull it off, God bless you, man. Do it. It's yeah. also like you said, diversity. You know, because I, I can remember playing in the early days, uh, early '90s. You know, I had a cover band called Mr. Personality, and we played all heavy stuff, and we had a, all sequence. You know, we played White Zombie, Filter, Nine Inch Nails. Uh, you know, anything that was heavy, you know, Marilyn Manson and, uh, people loved it cause it was that, it was the era, you know, that stuff was on the radio, you know, beautiful people was on the radio, you know, right. uh, there was, there was just heavier stuff. Soundgarden was all over the radio, you know, Nirvana, uh, and it was all heavy, heavy tunes, you know, and, and produced, you know, and that's why we had, like I said, sequencers and, and samplers to, to, to make it sound authentic, you know, but then as time went on. You know, then that heaviness went away and it got overtaken by, you know, a different breed of, of radio hits. So, right. you know, you have to be adaptable, too, if you want to succeed. You know, you do have to change up the set list. You can't play the same songs all the time, year after year. It gets old. Yeah, um, definitely. You want to keep it fresh and new for you. But I, I really stand by this list of, of songs that I put together here. Um because these are timeless. A lot of these songs are pretty old. And I, I just want to, I'm going to kind of cherry pick through these and, and pick a song. But, um, and yeah, this is a, All Right Now by Free. This song came out in 1970. Um, and it was um, the band that uh, Paul Rogers was in before Bad Company. He was in a band called Free. And this song, every time we play it, it works. Every time, everywhere, to every kind of people, it works. And you've heard it in popular culture. It's in commercials, in TV commercials. I, I don't. It's probably a car company or something where that song is, but I know I've heard it in, in a TV commercial. Um, so these songs, a lot of these songs are, just about all these songs are timeless that are going to be relevant 30 years from now. Well, because they're all good songs. You can't substitute anything for a good song. It's a good song. Wanted Dead or Alive, that's the one I just landed on. It's a good song, and everybody's going to know it, and everybody's going to sing that chorus. Sing and a, Hard to Handle, Black Crows. Everybody knows it. Yeah. And so you, as a musician, you need to know these. You need to learn them. You just need to know them. You don't need to play them. You will play them, but you need to know them. Whatever instrument you play, you need to know your part. The Joker. Everybody knows the Joker. Some people call me Space Cow. In, in popular culture, these songs are just, these are it. And um, I'm going to put a link to this article with the podcast so people can click on it and look at it and ridicule me. But I don't Well, care. and you know, Steve, from another 
view viewpoint. Even when you learn these songs, you know, you learn rock and roll by Zeppelin, right? You learn from the greats, right? You emulate the parts, you know. You you you, you if you really analyze it, you know, you learn how Bonham played it. You go on YouTube and look up, you know, Brian Tishy. He'll explain it for you because he's yes, you know, he's the authority on that. Starts on the end of the three. Right, and it's a shuffle that he plays throughout the whole song. That intro groove carries all the way through if you really listen, you know. And any of these songs, you know, you really listen to the, you know, the musicians. You listen to the drummer. You know, listen to the part that each guy created and then recorded. You, know, you pay homage to that, and you learn it, and you do it justice. And then you yeah. learn something, and you, know, you become better from it as well because you think of it in a different way than you did before you played the song. Yeah, you're learning from people who are a lot better than you. <laughs> and rock and roll is such a pet peeve for me because no, there's barely any drummers that know the beginning. And it starts on the end of three, one and two and three. Yeah, and they're all, like you said, all these guys are great musicians that you can learn from. And they all, like, you know, they're all great rock guitarists, right? But they're all different. They're all great rock drummers, but they're all different. Right. You know, and it gives you diversity in your playing, and it allows you to explore different nuances and different ways of looking at things. Right. It's good stuff, man. It's uh, it's it's like going to school, man. Just learning these songs for yourself and having them in your arsenal. You want them in your arsenal. And a lot of these songs, man, I've been playing for you know for for as long as I've been playing bass, and I still play them. And I still j get just as much joy out of them because I'm playing my instrument. And there's people that are enjoying them and singing along and dancing. And, and I, that's what does it for me. I don't need somebody sitting there like, whoa, this guy's a great bass player because he can play uh, Roundabout by Yes. Great tune, by the way. Yeah, it's a great song. and But, you know, most people don't want to hear Roundabout by Yes. They want to hear... Sweet Home Alabama. Right, and they want to hear Sweet Home Alabama played well by the band. They don't want to hear a hacked-up version kind of faking their way through, you know? Right. Right. But, you know, that's not to say that this list is the be-all, end-all. There's songs that could probably be included on this list that aren't on it. Um, and there's so many other songs that can be played that can really achieve the same goal. It depends on your audience. It depends on the type of gig. Um, you know, th there's there's su such a wealth of great music out there that new generations are just discovering for the first time, which is really exciting to see. Because I get to see these kids you know, in in New Orleans here. They're you know they just reached 21, 22 years old, and they're coming in. They're dancing to "I Want You to Want Me" by Cheap Trick, which was a '70s song, and they know it, and they sing along because it's just part of popular culture. Yeah, and it's great to get younger generation inspired to listen to songs that we grew up listening to, you know, that are timeless and that they can learn something from that's different from what's on the radio today. Right. Are we old, Tony? <laughs> How dare you even think that, Steve? Define old. Well, I'm just looking at this list, and I'm thinking... Do I need help to go to the bathroom? No. No, but I was thinking I, I've been alive for the release of just about every one of these songs. Maybe, 
let me see. What was I not alive for? Uh, me and Bobby McGee, I don't know what year that came out in. Janis Joplin. What year did that come out in? That was before I was born. Was it? Well, see, I'm yeah. older than you. Uh, Man, you're old. <laughs> I'm old, dude. Honky Tonk Woman. Oh, no, I was alive for that when that came out. Uh, let's see. Oh, I want to mention this. Some, some Kind of Wonderful is one I put in there by Grand, Grand Funk Railroad. And for us here in New Orleans, that song, we we play it, but the time we play it is usually when the guitar player has to go to the bathroom. Because we do, we do long sets here in, in New Orleans, and we'll be on stage for several hours in a row without a break. So if the guitar player needs a break, we play some kind of wonderful because there's no guitar. He doesn't just bring an empty like plastic you know, Gatorade bottle or something on stage with him and turn his back to the crowd real quick? Yeah, he could, but he doesn't. <laughs> so have a conversation with him about that. Yeah, we'll work on that. But yeah, I would yeah, I, you know, you always need filler songs too, right? Guitar player breaks a string. Right. Someone needs to take a break for a second. You know, right? Lowrider is always a good tune. It's just bass, drums, and keys. You know, so if the guitar player or the singer has to um, exit for a couple minutes, you can can ad lib with that. I never thought of that one. That's a good lowrider. I was looking at our set. I still have the outskirts set list. I, yeah. I, I still have it on my computer, and I was looking at it the other day and looking through the songs, and I was like, not a lot of the songs that are on my top 50 are are in the out, outskirts set list, but the outskirts set list was really good songs and songs that people knew and were could dance to and could sing along with and, and stuff. So there's a, a lot beyond this list. But Yeah, again, if you're, you know, and... The list is great. You know, the 50 songs that everyone should know is definitely essential listening. But for sure, you know, you listened over the decades of top 20 hits, you know, especially in the 80s. You know, you'll, very diverse, uh, eclectic music mix, you know, but, but a lot of great tunes. Right. Walk This Way. Like, if you don't know Walk This Way and you play in a band, you should be ashamed of yourself. As a drummer, man, you used to love that. You know, that's like one of the first grooves you, you figure out and, and you jam to. And even Sweet Emotion, too, off the same album. Yeah. If you don't know Sweet oh, Emotion, yeah. and you don't know it right, you should be ashamed of yourself. Go learn it. It'll take you three minutes and 45 seconds. Yeah. Many, That's many right. songs. Many, many songs. Many, many good right, songs, man. you know? Yes. So let's, uh, I think we got a good topic covered here for this second episode of Caravan Central Audio Podcast. Yeah. Next next week, um, I want to play a game. Next week, are you up for playing a game? Oh, I'm always up for playing games. All right. So, this is an idea I came up with, and it's um, it's it's going to be a, a fun game. It's going to be. Remember back in the '70s for you kids, um, there was a show on on TV called Name That Tune, and it was a pretty popular show at the time, and it would be two contestants competing against each other, and they would sort of bargain notes. They'd be like, I can name that tune in seven notes. And the next one would go, well, I can name that tune in five notes. And then the and last guy would say, I can name that song in two notes. Right. And then the other person would say, okay, <laughs> you go ahead and name that tune. So we're going to play. Name that tune. The, my first game that we're going to play, and I, I have a little... Uh, 
a little uh, uh, preview for you here. The next is going to be similar to that game. It's, it's going to be a game that I'm going to play with you, and you are going to be the contestant. I'm going to be the host. And I think, uh, I think it's going to be fun. And here is what the name of the game is. Stop the Drummer. <laughs> Stump the Drummer, or STD for short. Um, STD. Uh, I'm going to be. Uh, I'm not going to give you the details of it, but it's going to be similar to name that tune, and I'm going to try to stump you. But you're a pretty sharp guy, so it might be tough to stump you. But I'm going to make it just as hard as I possibly can. Well, don't make it too hard. I am a drummer, you know. <laughs> uh, I, it's not going to be too hard, but it's going to be something that's that will be fun. And I think that you will. Uh, I think cool. You will, I always think up for fun. Always that. up for games. And then the week after, so that'll be next week. We're going to do that. And then the the following week, I'm hoping to have our first interview. And I would like to interview um, John Monica. And you and I were talking about him before. And he is a singer, uh, guitar player, works in New Jersey, works tirelessly in New Jersey, uh, playing gigs like you were talking about before, playing just solo kind of happy hour gigs by himself. Oh, John's, um, John's great. You know, people come up and request anything and nine times out of ten he knows it and he, he, he plays it very, very well. Very authentic. Uh, he's, yeah. he's super talented. Yeah. Love John. Yeah. yeah, I'm a big fan. He has a, and we've become friends over the last few months especially because I've been sharing. He's been doing Facebook live feeds. And, and prior to that, he was just recording himself on his phone and and then posting it later, but then when the Facebook Live thing came up and started to become a thing, he started using that. So he started doing live feeds from all of his gigs, and me having this platform of Cover Band Central with uh, almost 72,000 people on there now, I really wanted to help him out and expand his audience, and because he's working so hard and he's really doing everything right, so I wanted to share uh, his live feeds. So I started doing it. I did it once, and we saw just a tremendous jump in his audience and his views and he was so grateful and so thankful for it and then I kept doing it and I've I've shared his live feed probably 15 to 20 times at least um but he he's he's a really really talented guy and, and works hard so um we'd be I'd be happy to have him here talking to us and uh we can find out some wisdom from Mr. John Monica yeah, and he's another cat like we talked about earlier who is super talented but yet very approachable and down to earth. You know, he's 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 very thankful and grateful for what he does and you know, he's he's a great musician. Yes. Yes. Yeah, really, really good musician. Anybody that listens to him, it's undeniable how good his voice is and how good a guitar player is. And he uses uh effects and like loop pedals and and harmonizers and stuff. And he does it really well. He's very smart with it, and he's very um, uh, open to sharing his rig and sharing his setup with people. He's very willing to do that, um, and he's done it several times actually on video where he points the camera to his setup and and shows how he's doing everything. Um, but there's no uh, substitute for really good talent, for sure. You know, man. And how great is that too? That he's so willing to share with everyone how he's how he's accomplishing the sound and how he's getting it to sound the way it is. You know, there's no 
secrecy there. He's very open to say, hey, you, you can do it too, and here's how I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. He's a great dude. So I'm hoping to have him on in two weeks on the show. So uh, we'll see how Awesome. That yeah, looking forward to that. All right. Here it is. You know it. You know it. You'll love it. Thank you, Tony. Everything is awesome. Covergram Central official audio podcast number two. Thanks for listening. Facebook.com slash Covergram Central. See you guys next week. We'll see you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.